What's up, everybody? This is Sean from the From the Stands podcast. Big episode coming your way. But before we get there, make sure to check out Stephen Leambus Real Estate on Instagram at Homes by Stephen. His website, homesbystephen.ca. If you are looking to buy, sell, or lease in the greater Toronto area, there is no one better in the industry than Steve. Make sure to reach out to him, DM him, do whatever you need to do. Get in touch with Steve. Again, at homesbystephen, homesbystephen.ca. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Ian joined by my big brother sean as always and sean we do have a guest today who's with us today yeah we sure do uh didn't know his first name until yesterday but he's a big fan of the program please welcome friend of the show mr jean-marc tomey tomes did i get it right you got it you nailed that one that was it's true story too i mean uh yeah big i, fan I of just the know show. you as tomes yeah i mean that's it's, it's tomes it's tomers it's jm and then, uh, then it's like, hold on, wait, what's what's your real name? We had to get it for the show, but we got a big one, and we have you on for a few reasons. Fly Eagles, fly, baby! The biggest Eagles fan going right now needed to come on the show after their zero and two start. Carson Wentz just being Carson. Talk about your team, Tomes. What's going yeah, on? I mean, he 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 spoke to the media and addressed the media, you know, like a professional that he is. Uh, after that uh, that hard loss at home last week to the Rams, you know, one thing I think he mentioned that is on a lot of players' minds and a lot of people have been 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 discussing it is the fact that he does not feel that he is in his complete form, where he needs to be, where he should definitely be. Right. And, and he attests a lot of that to the fact that there was, you know, no OTAs, you know, we there was limited team activity, limited preseason, no preseason for that matter. And and you heard Doug Peterson kind of come to his defense a, a little bit, too, like he should. I mean, listen, that's that's your franchise quarterback. That's your boy. You're 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 protecting him to them as much as you can. And you don't want him to get burned by by the the media and the people who regardless are gonna no but and you know what though and here's the thing you you have to come after him you have no choice you, you expect eagle fan or not football fan you expect way more from that team and especially from Carson Wentz not only as a player but as a leader of, of that offense and a leader of that team overall Without question. And I think, you know, in terms of the Eagles, there are three things that I think are worth touching on in regards to their slow start. I think, you know, number one, you touched on it already is Carson Wentz. And we need to talk a fair amount about Carson Wentz and what exactly is happening there. I think, you know, obviously we need to talk about the injuries and talk about the effect that that's had, particularly on depth. Um, But on on some key parts of the offense, uh, I would, you know, receiver, uh, Andre Dillard, obviously, uh, on the offensive line. And then the defensive line, the entire line has been in and out of the lineup. And then I think the third thing is we need to talk about um, Howie Roseman and the drafting record and how that's gone. Uh, I think that needs to be discussed because what we're talking about here is we're bringing guys into the organization as second and third round players that, frankly, aren't making an impact. And unfortunately, that's just unacceptable. So um, where I want to begin is I want to begin with Carson Wentz and 
look, it's not all bad. I mean, this team won the Super Bowl really not that long ago. So I think, you know, for Eagles fans out there, for NFL fans out there, give it time. They've been sort of retooling this thing on the fly. So let's just see where it goes. And you get a break when you win yeah, the title. When you, you win, get the, a bit when of a you break. win the title, right. you get a break. The Alshon contract and all that other stuff that doesn't look great now, you get a break for all that. So let's start with with Carson Wentz. I think my main concern with Wentz and you know, we talk about guys that that have sort of struggled to start the season and just don't look like themselves. I think when you talk about guys like that, you're talking about Carson Wentz. Uh, you talk about Drew Brees, who I'll get to later. Um, Tom Brady. You know, we're, we're, those are the type of guys where we're, we're really not just seeing the true the true player that those people that those guys are. Um, but the first thing I want to jump into is the offense as a whole, and the offense has really jumped into this pass heavy offense on early downs. I think what we're seeing is um, when they're in the lead 63% of the time, they are passing in the early downs, which for modern football feels like a great idea. The problem is, you know, the, the problem is, is what is happening with those plays. Wentz right now has a completion percentage that's about 9% lower than his projected figure for the season. And only Dwayne Haskins is only Dwayne Haskins is a worse mark of that's all QBs good, this that's season. Good company to keep. So good company Ryan, to keep, well, that means we're talking Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> we are talking Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, Tyra, Tyrod Taylor are all included in that number. Wentz is a worse mark than those guys. And I'm going to hit you with one more, and then we can discuss how it's going. Wentz currently ranks 32nd in yards per attempt. And by the way, this is all via Matt Harmon at Yahoo. He's amazing. Uh, he ranks 32nd in yards per attempt. That's good for dead last, obviously. He's 27th on an on-target throw rate. That's obviously horrific um and i think you know even his own head coach is while defending him like you said is a bit puzzled by the regression um so i'm gonna ask you this with all of that in mind how comfortable are you with wentz having the keys to your franchise moving forward i'm i I am still very comfortable i'm not in the panic mode yet where where we need to start you know raising flags and and saying hold on we're you know we're moving on to jalen hurts now this is gonna be the jalen hurts show no, that's not why he was drafted. That was another disaster. And we you know what? We can get to that as well, too. Oh, we, yeah, we will. We oh, will. we will. Um, why am I not worried? I mean, listen, I, I've seen, I've watched this team more than any other team in any other sport that I that I care and I love for, right? And I, and I know what he's capable of. And I know that he is surrounded by people that will put him in a place to succeed, whether that is, you know, Doug Peterson, like we mentioned, right? Or... Mm-hmm supporting cast on that on that offense as well now the problem with that is a lot of the injuries that you mentioned right and now another big news coming out yesterday you know Jalen Rieger's got a tear in his thumb surgery he's out until at least week 10 Mm -hmm. right okay we talk about Jeffrey right that being a rough one Jeffrey does did practice today still nowhere near return they're looking at another one to two weeks minimum before he's even back into the thick of things Okay. Sanders missed time. Sanders yep. missed time, right? He only had his first game last week. And you know what? For a guy who's, you know, into his first game with no ATAs and, and missing a lot of camp as well, he didn't look bad. I, I was I was quite impressed with what I saw with Sanders because you're gonna get a little bit of both from him. You're gonna guy you're gonna get a guy that that is shifty enough to bounce it outside, but not scared enough to run in between the tackles. But you're also gonna guy that can play third down, that can be a receiving back, that can get you some help out of the backfield. Right. And one thing I'm really noticing a lot lately, and we saw this really last year with Philly was the two tight end set, right. Running a lot, a lot, a lot of plays yep. with Dallas Goddard and with Zach Ertz, both um, on wings there. 
Let me, let me pause you at the tight end real quick. And then what I want is I want Sean. Um, I want Sean to jump in here. I think he's got some thoughts, but on the tight end front, I think that are we in the position now where we are overrating how effective the double tight end can be? Because I think Ertz is good. I think Goddard is good, but we talk about these two, like they're Gronk Aaron Hernandez, oh, right? Like, like they were in the, I mean, without the murder. But, you know, we talk about these guys. That's how we talk about them. And I, I think that – I think Goddard is Goddard is going to be the guy. And I think the quicker they commit to the guy, I think the better off they're going to be. I, I, I don't know if you get the feeling like that as an Eagles fan. That Now, I, I have no statistics to back that up. That is strictly eye test. It just feels like Wentz doesn't know – like he sees a tight end out there and he can't fixate on one guy. I don't have the figures in front of me, but I, I remember hearing back even to week one last year, you know, tight ends combined uh, Goddard and Wentz account for, I know it was plus 300 receptions and the next closest tight end combo, I think was almost 60 plus receptions behind. Now that is a lot of attested to the fact that they were just completely depleted on offense with receivers. exactly you had, you had Ward who yeah, was Greg a Ward. college quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Playing receiver. I mean, Hey, Give, give the guy credit, scored a massive touchdown for us to, to help us win a game. But, you know, you had guys like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who has just not amounted to what he oh, is. Oh, we'll get as, to him. See? Listen, I got a list of guys that yeah. we need to get to. Oh, we'll to. get You're to right. him. No, no, no. But, but I think for me, the for me, Zach Ertz has always been, uh, you know, he'll always been a top five tight end of his time for his reliability to – window shop around linebackers. He is a big guy. He's quite shifty for his size as well, too. Mm-hmm. Same with Goddard, reliable. But but the point or the part that they're missing, and if you want to compare that to um, Gronk and Hernandez, for example, the part that they're missing is the red zone efficiency. That's the biggest thing True. I've noticed right now. We get into the 20, and, and you saw this a little bit last year as well, too, but you get into the 20, and you usually are looking for your biggest targets, right? Well, You're looking for Alshon Jeffrey. Yes. You're looking for Zach yeah. Ertz. You're looking, but he's not. And that's the biggest problem right now. It does not seem, Ertz specifically, Ertz and Wentz, do not seem to be gelling on the same right. page. I don't know if this has anything to do with some of this contract talk that's going on between Howie Roseman and, and, and Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's speculation. And there was speculation even after and during the Eagles Super Bowl run that there was, you know, that there was things going on in the dressing room. And there's all this, again, speculation that Alison Jeffrey was the one, you know, leaking this out. I, I don't believe a lot of that. I know Philly media loves to hype and, and talk a lot of, blow a lot of smoke out of their ass. I, I, like I said, the biggest thing for me is that killer instinct. No joke, pun, I'm sorry, intended when I say killer instinct when it comes to tight ends. But I, I, I'm serious. I, I think that was the biggest thing that Gronk and, and Hernandez had. You, it didn't. It doesn't matter. You're gonna put a. You can put. You can put a. Uh, a Mike linebacker, Sam linebacker. You can put a corner safety on 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 those guys. And and like you knew, it was gonna be a one step back, back shoulder fade to them. They go up and get it, or they're gonna run two digs or two unders, vert crossers, and you knew that they were gonna get it. And it didn't matter, right? And I think we saw that during. Philly Super Bowl run, and they have completely kind of gotten away from it, and they've gotten off the page. And you've seen that their issue is they try and stretch the field, and they don't have anybody to do it. Right? Feels so, like they lack identity. Yeah, they they are in a serious identity crisis right now. And you'd mentioned that too with you know their efficiency throwing. I mean, this right here. And again, I, I'm I'm not overreacting. It is only two games, mm-hmm. but two games with the tar- with the teams that they play can still tell you a lot. 
I mean, we're 28th in total yards and 23rd in passing right now, right? Well, and so, you know, we're 10 minutes into the podcast, which means that in an NFL podcast, so this is my first time talking because that, that's what happens with NFL and Ian. This guy is absolutely obsessed and he absolutely knows his shit. So I'm really excited that we get to, to, to do this. Before I get to back to Carson Wentz, because I, I have a few thoughts on Carson, is I, I do think that Ertz and Goddard are a, bit, are, are a bit redundant to each other. Right. The thing with Hernandez and Gronk was that they offered two very different styles of football, right, where Hernandez was very much the under guy and Gronk was very much in the middle of the field. And Hernandez was a little quicker, a little shiftier. I, I feel like, again, even I played I some like, running back, even played some running yeah, back. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm giving Ertz enough credit for his athleticism when I say this, but I feel like they're both very much more seam tight ends. Right. It's just very, down the seam, get get the ball but, in traffic. They, and that's they you know, who they are. They are. Right. And, and, and they're very similar. Do, and if you don't have, and this comes to my next point, Carson Wentz, I think, is an extremely talented individual. I think he is a very talented quarterback. I believe that, again, you go back to 2017 when they won the title, he was having an MVP season before he got hurt. He was legit the favorite to win the MVP when he got hurt. They won anyways because of Big Dick Nick. Now, it's when we come back to now, I don't think that his team's done him any favors. I, I know that they've tried. Right, the, the Alshon thing. They like, again. He's a good. He's a good receiver, but he's a corpse now. Um, you go out when you know that you need help, and spend a second round pick on basically Taysom Hill 2.0. That's not helping your franchise quarterback. That's not you saying we believe in you as this guy. And it's it's one thing if you do it to Aaron Rodgers in late in his late 30s. You know, we're talking about Carson Wentz, who right now is in his late 20s, was this what the second overall pick four years ago five years yeah, ago he's like he's in his fifth season this 2016 year. right and, and i it's to me it's it's just like all right you, okay so you, you got you drafted jalen rieger in the first round okay all right we're, we're building this jalen hurts how does that show confidence in, in him and we have uh, we asked this question to jd bunkus on on our last podcast was is carson Wentz a franchise quarterback and the reason that i bring this up is because his answer was yes but they haven't done him any favors. Guys literally playing with Deshaun Jackson and half of Miles Sanders right now. So do you feel that it's more the personnel or do you feel that it's more the fact that he's got to figure it out? Because you brought up OTAs. Everyone's playing in the same pool outside of Tom Brady who's holding private uh, viewing parties and private workouts for the entire team during COVID. But everyone's playing in the same rules. So it can't be we missed time. Everyone missed time. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And that's why, listen, I, it was the easy thing for them to come out and say that after the way that they played in two weeks or the first two weeks of the season. Right. But it's a BS answer because you're right. Everybody's playing on the same playing field. And I completely agree with you. Right. My issue in the second round pick not is not so much with the fact of who it was, but you don't address your need. Right. And their need from last season to this season, first and foremost was receiver. So, boom, like you said, you go out, you draft Jalen Rieger, a guy with with great speed, great hands, right? Someone that's going to be able to spread, stretch the field for you because you can't completely rely on just Deshaun Jackson, right? Tail end of his career. Obviously, yes. Right? Tail end of his career. Listen, I'll, I'll give the man all the credit in the world. Did great things when he was here, left, loved to torture us when he came back to town, and he's come back after another injury-riddled season last year, and – so far, it looks like he's been taking a lot of plays off because he may not be 100%. My issue is you go out, you get Darius Slay. Okay? Great. You needed some help at corner. You get uh, Nicolo. I like that Bicol move. 
Love that move, right? You go all, you get Nickel Roby Coleman from the Rams. Beautiful. Okay. Maybe the, he, by the way, maybe the best slot corner in the league. Slot God, right? Slot God. Okay. Mm-hmm. You take Jalen Mills now and you fill a very big void that was left when you let um, Malcolm Jenkins walk and go back to New Orleans, right? Again, player near the the end of his career, but that guy can still bring it. Malcolm Jenkins. And you still got torched by Jared Goff. Okay. Jared Goff finishes with almost a a perfect passer rating. Right? He only threw for 300. He didn't throw for a lot. Threw for 316 yards, I think it was, right? And, but didn't take many attempts. Think he, uh, he started off that game, I think it was 16 for 16. Hadn't, hadn't had an incomplete pass. Right? So Ian, the exact same thing, Tom. But my problem, thing. again, is the middle of the field. You have a great defensive line. You know, you got Fletcher Cox, who, if it's not for Aaron Donald, I think is, is the greatest or one of the greatest uh, defensive linemen currently that we're watching. Agreed. Right? I think he, he, he kind of, you know, the spotlight is obviously on Donald and, or on, on, on him, but rightfully so. I think, again, the biggest issue with this team was that linebacker. And they did not address those needs. And we continue to get guys that will run crosser routes on us, guys that will run in between the tackles and run up the gut, take five, seven, eight yards of carry, right? Again, look, after two games, the Eagles are 21st in rush yards allowed. 21st. So how, how do you how are you going to be a competitive team and actually legit try and contend for a division and then maybe even a wild card if you are in the bottom third of the league in trying to stop the run? I think when it comes to the rush defense, I think that is going to improve. I think you know obviously we've seen you know Vinnie Curry's out, you know Derek Barnett's been out, Fletcher Cox I think has been hobbled, um, Brendan Graham has been hobbled. I mean. Dude, that's the entire line, and it's a damn good one. I mean, you know, we're you got ballers on that D line, so that's going to get better. I think, you know, and you know, while we're at it, let's just name some of the other other industries. You mentioned Sanders, you mentioned uh, Rieger, Jeffrey Dillard, the left tackle. I mean, guy was as good as it gets, and and Jason Peters was going to move to guard. You know, you're then you're talking about a like an absurd, absurd offensive line. Quick, quick so, side note: is is Peters still there? Yeah, so yeah they, he they moved back him, to left tackle. They brought him back after – so they the intent was to let Peters walk, go on his way. He'd done great service here. His nickname's the bodyguard. He's, he's protected a lot of quarterbacks in his time here. He, he's nearing the tail end of his career. I mean, yeah, he's, he'll, he's, he's he'll, pretty much there. And, and the whole point was, was to protect him and make him a better player by moving him as an interior lineman. Mm-hmm. But now you get guys starting to go down, and you got to move him back to tackle. Right. And they and they compensated him for that move. But very much so. Then they had to you have to. Yeah. Right. And he's still he's still a damn good tackle. And I think, look, I think this is a good transition point for me because you know, we, we talked about the injuries, but this is where we're getting to with, you know, the middle of the draft. And we can't, you know, I, I think Eagles fans on Twitter right now are really killing uh are really killing Roseman. And I think that's fair, but not fair all at the same time. Because, you know, again, this is the guy that took Dillard last year, 22. That's at 22. That's a freaking heist. Are you kidding me? And then at 53 took Miles Sanders. So those are no doubt starters, maybe future Pro Bowl, all pro type players. So Eagles fans relax on the Roseman stuff. There's good and bad. And I think let's get to the bad. Where I'm seeing a problem, as I mentioned, is with those second and third rounders. We're talking J.J. Arcega, Whiteside. We're talking Jalen Hurts and we're talking Davion Taylor. And right now, 
two of the bigger issues are receiver, especially with Rieger being out. That's number one. And Arcega Whiteside's not giving you shit. And the other is that linebacker. So those, for a team in transition, those are picks, I'm sorry, you just need to rely on. They don't need to be all pros or pro bowlers, but they need to go into the lineup safely. And I'm sorry, that, you know, let's start with Davion Taylor, okay? This is a guy who was sort of a project, but you decided to take him in the third round because you love his athleticism. There's a lot to love there. The problem, he is sitting behind the poo-poo platter at linebacker of Nate Jerry, Duke Riley, and TJ Edwards. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. Especially since they, especially since you watch Cincinnati and they're playing Akeem Davis Gaither all their snaps at outside linebacker, and he looks fantastic already. He was like three picks after Davion, so at some point this stuff catches up with you a bit, and I'm, those are the ones you have to nail. And 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 the worst one to me is Arcega Whiteside because you nail Dillard, you nail Sanders, and you come back with Arcega Whiteside. That's seven picks before DK Metcalf. That's nine picks before Deontay Johnson. I mean, those are mistakes. Those are mistakes that kill the depth of your lineup. So where now give me your report card on Roseman with the drafting. Do you see the drafting as an issue like a lot of other Eagles fans? Yeah, I I, I did. I mean, um, I did some some of my own funny little videos and just tried to film my reactions when I was sitting in my basement during you know, earlier stages <laughs> of COVID during this. And was that with our old site that we were working that with? That was with, yeah, yeah. That's what the old one we were doing. So, you yeah. know, you go into the first round, there's, it's a no brainer. Eagles need a receiver, right? Okay. We're getting down just before Dallas is picked and CD lamb still available. I, I don't doubt for a second, Howie Roseman denies it, but I don't doubt for a second that he was looking to maybe move up, potentially see what, what, it, what, what was there think it was a little too rich for him. That's fine. That's Dallas getting back at us for when we traded up in Dallas to take Dallas Goddard the year that the Cowboys wanted a tight end. Right. Well, I think there's, there's a lot of theory out there that (laughs) Dallas just took CD because they knew Philly wanted CD. Well, there is because, and because you look at what, you know, draft experts or anybody says Dallas needed a safety or Dallas needed to go defense most likely. And they didn't, they took CD, right? Hey, Listen, more mouths to feed. We can get into into Dallas later. That's 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 something else. But then, the one guy, and I think maybe this is me reading too much into my Philly blog posts and and my crazy guys that I met at Geno's uh, subs when I'm down in Philly, right? <laughs> Talking about, well, there's this guy at LSU, Justin Jefferson. He's pretty good. And you know what? Like Mike Mayock used to always say, go back and play the tape and let me see it. And you go back and he, he, listen. He looked good. Strong guy, right? Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know much about Jalen Rieger. All I knew about Jalen Rieger was that he was maybe a little undersized compared to some of these other guys that were, I'm talking about, but that he was quick and he had sure hands. They went deep so, threat. They that's went deep they threat them. and they yeah. needed it. They didn't have a vertical deep threat on that team. And, and that's, we go back to talking about surrounding Carson with weapons, right? That, and variable weapons that you can plug in place and change your style of play. That was one of them that he needed. So overall, listen, needed a receiver, got a receiver, deep threat receiver, good hands. The injury thing, there's nothing we can do about that. All right. So we got to, we got to move on to greater NFL topics, but before we do, what is your prediction for the rest of your Eagles season? So Eagles win this weekend against Cincy. Listen, I love Joel Burrow. 
I love what he's doing there. Throwing 61 attempts a game. I hope he hits, <laughs> I hope he tries to hit 70 against us. But I, I seriously, I think the Eagles win this week. Uh, I was writing it down here. Next five opponents are interesting. I was just about to Philly, go through this with you, because right? Because you, you have Cincy at home. Good. Yeah, you have Cincy at home. Uh-huh. Now you travel and you play San Fran. Okay, depending on maybe if Jimmy G's back that by then, I'm not sure. But this is a team that not only faced a lot of physical injuries this past weekend, mm-hmm. but morally, like that, that's got to be hurting your locker room inside, right? But then you go to a game that I was going to. I was buying tickets to this game before COVID. You know, this doesn't happen very often, but the Battle of Pennsylvania in in Pittsburgh, right, against the Steelers, who, who by the way, look good again. The Steelers look good again. Their defense looks incredible. It, uh, incredible, That's right? The and then and then your last two games out of that five game set are Baltimore, which. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if 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 you don't have if you're not watching tape, you're like I don't know what you can do to prepare for that game, right? We'll you know we'll get into that later. And then the last one's New York, right? So out of you know, I think I think out of the next five games, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction: Eagles go three and two, uh, and I think that brings them back, you know, to to three and five. Listen, uh, do I think if they go three and you know? They go three and two in that set. A wild card is still attainable, but I'll tell you right now, if they don't win four of those five games, kiss the kiss the division goodbye. Well, right, right before I know we need to move on. After after they play the Giants on October twenty second, they go Dallas Giants Browns. Those predicted those presumably could be three wins. Then you ready for the rest? Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, Cowboys, Washington Football Team to end the year. That is a tough damn schedule. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm rooting for you. Well, we we got to move on to something outside the Eagles. But this it's funny because this actually does this does have the Eagles involved. There are a lot of teams that are desperate for a win this weekend. A lot of teams that are zero and two, right? So let's lay them out, especially because they were hopeful. Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, Philly, Denver, and Houston. Tomes, who is most desperate for a win, and who do you think is done? Philly's most desperate. I'll tell you that right now. And that's not as an Eagles guy. That, that is a team who, coming into the season, had an over-under of, I believe, 10 or 10 and a half, nine and a half wins. Nine and a half. Had them, had them on the over to get to 10 wins. Again, at least, right? And again, you start 0-3, you can start kissing seasons goodbye, right? So I, I think for that that team, with the exception of maybe Houston, has, has the best opportunity to still make it to a playoff spot. So I think they're number one by far, right? My As we continue down the list, I mean, I, I think for me personally, and I just look at the, the performance that they've put out week one and week two, you got to think Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta gets robbed last week only to the fault of their own because they don't know how to cover onside kicks. Why is Dan Quinn still the coach? I, I, I have oh. no clue. I have no clue. I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't get it. But, but you, have a, you have literally, and, and for people that even don't play football, I'm sure they know when they hear this, when they watch, you have a hands team. Your hands team is the guy. It's your job. It's your job. What are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? The ball's rolling and they're just like – Staring at it. What are you guys so, doing? No, uh, my favorite is they're boxing out like it's basketball. We're in the paint here. What are you well, boxing out? You can well, grab we, the ball. 
we know what we're cutting for Instagram now because this is what you guys have done. I I agree with you, Tom's. I honestly think that it is Philly, and, and the reason that I think that it's Philly is because mm. I think I think their division is trash. So I think that if you get to one and two, you know, there's a case we made. Dallas is, could be zero and three after this weekend if they didn't win last week. So nine and seven I, can win that division. And with the expanded playoffs, I do think that it's Philly. Now, who's most desperate for a win? Like, who has the best chance that they get a win this weekend, I think, is Philly. Who's most desperate for a win, I think, is Houston. Because of everything that happened in the offseason, because of what happened with the DeAndre Hopkins trade, Bill O'Brien is sitting right there. Ian, we talked about this before as, as in our NFL preview podcast. We had the, the – both of us had Houston going 1-5 to start the season. 1-5. Why don't you carry it from here? Who is your most desperate team and who do you think needs this win the most? Because I think those are two a little bit different. Or sorry, my apologies. Who's the most desperate and needs to win the most? But who do you think benefits the most from a win this weekend? Here, here's how I'm looking at it. And the way I'm looking at it is who's getting fired if they don't win? So I would say Zimmer is safe in Minnesota, so they're out. I would say Peterson's safe in Philly, so they're out. And I would say Fangio's safe in Denver. So they're out. He so be, because but, yeah. no, no, he should be safe. I mean, I mean, you lost your number one receiver Injuries. and your quarterback yep. in the yep. same yep. week, and and your franchise defensive player. I mean, come on, you know okay. what's the? You're right. I was I was being unfair. You're right. And You're they're right. rebuilding as it is. So those I would say those teams are safe. I I would say the quickest to get fired has to be Quinn and Patricia. Both those guys are trash and they need to go. So to me, to me, the most desperate has to either be has to be the that part of that group, the Houston, Atlanta, Detroit group. Now, I wanted to lean Minnesota because, frankly, I expected better, particularly from that defense. I know Danelli Hunter's hurt. I understand that he's, you know, for my money, other than Aaron Donald, is the best defensive lineman in football. I understand that's difficult, but you've turned into the league's worst defense. That is unacceptable. So I want to lean Minnesota. I think Zimmer's a good coach. I think it has to be Houston because I think Bill O'Brien – is on, as Sean mentioned, is sort of on thin ice as it is with that whole situation. Bill O'Brien, the GM, has never been able to bail out Bill O'Brien, the coach. And if Bill O'Brien, the coach, isn't getting it done, then they're out. I would say the team that's most likely to turn it around, I honestly think it's Houston because I think Deshaun Watson is the, be- is the single best player on any of those teams that, you, that we've just listed. So if he gets it going then we're having a completely different discussion. Well, and Atlanta is completely decimated. Their entire team is hurt. So you got that going too. But again, I, I picked Houston as well as like, who's the most desperate? But who do you think's done, Tomes? Because there's a lot here who are going to be done. But who, who's, who's done? Just, just to feed off, off what Ian was saying, um, I think Matt Patricia is in a lot of trouble, especially if they don't win this week. I think Matt Patricia has been in a lot of trouble for a while now. And they've done maybe a better job than maybe other teams to kind of keep it under wraps a little bit more and kind of make it seem like we are not panicking. He is our coach of the future. They don't come out and really say anything. There's no none of these vote of conferences, right? So my my whole thing there is, like you also mentioned with Bill O'Brien, and the F1 fans will really love this one. Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien must have the same agent as Roman Grosjean. <laughs> no, I'm, they, just, I'm they, they crash at every turn, huh? Like, 
this is a guy that has continuously done things where it's kind of like, really? Did, did really? Right? And and Ian, like you said, I mean, and they keep handing him the keys. But I don't understand. That's what. But they keep handing him the keys to nicer cars. I know with more I buttons and more it. options. Right. And I think you, you nail on the head there with without Deshaun Watson there, they are in a, a world of hurt. I mean, pre Deshaun Watson, they were right. That was a team that, that could never really get it done with their quarterbacks. They were the rocket all, ship. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. Right. So I, I, I think, I mean, honestly, if you have to nail it down to one or the other, for me personally, I think I think it, 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 it is Detroit for me. Yeah, because, I, was, I was just saying you know, Detroit's Matt, done. Matt Patricia had so much to prove coming from, you know, coming from this this prodigy of coaches and coaching staff that all they did is win in, in New England, right? Well, New England still looks to be doing pretty well even without him. Right? They've brought in oh. all the expatriates to help him with his transition. Kyle Van Noy, Deron Harmon, among others. They've given him every advantage. And frankly, he's not up to the task. Him and Quinn both need to go. But Patricia's the first to go. I think, and, and you know what? I think Patricia will be the first to go because I don't think I don't think Detroit wins this week. Well, let's jump to someone who's not going to go, and that's Josh Allen because he is going. Man is cooking now. Again, he is not the best quarterback in the NFL. No, he's close. But he is. He's, he's, tr- he's trying to make most, a case for it. He is the most fun to watch. I, I'm sorry, I love Patrick Mahomes. But he is the most fun to watch because you don't know if you're it's, – it's like seeing two cars playing chicken. You don't know if you're going to – or literally like a, a destruction derby. You don't know if you're going to see something absolutely incredible or an unbelievable crash. Like him rolling out to his left, all he has to do is stop and throw a very simple floated pass to a wide open target. He can't do it. He is 30 feet into the stands. But if he is rolling right – and throws off one foot, he's all of a sudden just throwing dimes or trucking people. It is, it's incredible. So well, let's get to Josh Allen. Tomes, what have you seen out of this season from a fantasy darling who may be making the leap? I, I, from, for me, Josh Allen has shown that, in the words of, of, of some other people, not, you know, he's not a quarterback. Sorry, he's not a running back. Right. Yeah. The guy can run. Yeah. The guy can escape the pocket. The guy has shown though, that he can also stay in the pocket, step up and find receivers. Now to me, it looks like the game has finally slowed down for him and that he is making better reads and that, you know, you talk about like, you know, quarterbacks getting in their head in the playbooks and all that. Listen, these guys are the best at what they do. They know their playbooks. It's not that right. They just look to be on the same page and, 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 there's a nice little treat for him this year. And so far it seems to be working out through two games and that's the fun things. I have oh, always been it. a very yes, big fan sir. of Stephon yes, Diggs. I always thought he should have been the number one guy in Minnesota. Without they, question. Listen, Thielen's great too. Not want, Don't want to take anything away from Adam Thielen. But I think Stephon Diggs does not get the credit that he deserves. I yes, think sir. he is a legitimate number one receiver. And I think him and <laughs> I think they are on the same place. No, but he's the number one. Listen, and then listen, same, same. Well, he's the number one in Buffalo. They don't have anybody else. No, no. And then you get deep threat with John Brown or with Brown as well, too, right? He's he's 40. Right? It looks like he's 18. I know, Ian. So go ahead. The reason reason this is important is because, Tomes, you're talking about how the organization has made a concerted effort to improve around Josh Allen. 
And the same things that we're seeing with Philadelphia, that they're not improving around Wentz or with Green Bay with Rodgers, the, the Bills made a concerted effort to improve around Josh Allen, trading for Stephon Diggs, signing John Brown, bringing in Cole Beasley, getting a pass catching back in Devin Singletary, drafting Dawson Knox, drafting Zach Moss, fixing that offensive line. That is how you help your quarterback. And they obviously felt like Allen was close to something. Whatever that something is, whatever they feel like he is in the, the echelon of the league, that's up to them. But they felt he was close enough to something to go out and give up what they gave up for Stephon Diggs. And it's working. Let me drop, let me drop some numbers on you guys right now. To me, Allen's the most improved player in the NFL, and you can't tell me otherwise through two weeks. He currently leads the league in passing at 729. More importantly, he's completing 70%, over 70% of his passes, and he has six touchdowns to zero interceptions. How those many of those touchdowns are throwing versus running? Are they all six? Are six, six, six are throwing. Six. six throwing. Wow, good. Okay. Those are all, all very good signs. Yep. Allen is one of just four quarterbacks in NFL history to complete 70% of his passes, throw for 700-plus yards and six-plus touchdowns, and have zero interceptions the first two weeks of the season. That's per NFL.com. You know the other three quarterbacks? The other uh, three quarterbacks? Oh, let's play this game. All right, we get two picks each. We get to pick until we we get wrong. Okay, Uh, I'll I'll, I'll go Brady. One, 2015. Peyton Manning. Two, 2013. 2019. That's an easy one. Mahomes. Boom. He's one of those four. Okay. That is absurd company. It is. That's absurd company. The last here's one here's another one for you. When Allen's under pressure this season, he is cooking. And this is something he's traditionally struggled with where he makes bad decisions, puts the ball in bad places, similar to what Favre would do, but he, Allen had less of the upside than someone like Favre did, who's a tool. This is typically where he struggled. 300 of the 729 passing yards have been under pressure along with four of his six touchdowns. I'm sorry. That is improvement. But, but that's, what I, that's what I was just saying to you guys earlier, and that's what I meant. It, it just looks like the game has slowed down. He's realizing things better, right? I don't need to just chuck this out. I don't need to just run over. He is doing a much – and again, I don't care that people say, well, it was against the Dolphins and against the Jets. Well, guess what? You better do that against the Dolphins and especially against the Jets because you're going to play them twice a year, each team. Mm-hmm. Right. And if he does that again, guess what? That's four old clean sweep against those two teams. Good point. And then, right. Because Good this point. is a team. This is a for the first time in what is it now? 20 years. This is a, a this is a Tom Brady list division. Mm-hmm. Right. OK. This is this. This man has an op- man. It's a kid. It's a kid. It's not a man. He plays like a man. But because. The Bills have a very good opportunity here to continue what they're doing, build off of it, because it's still only week two. At this point in the season, you haven't put all your plays into your package yet. Continue to build on this, watch film, get better, and make a run for a division title here. Right? I don't think that's crazy to say. No, the division was theirs to lose. And and again, I think that New New England is very much – putting up a fight for that, obviously, with, with Cam Newton. And I think that this is a good transition for us because the old quarterback of the New England Patriots has been the old quarterback and not in the good way. He's looked out. old. He's looked old. And there's been another quarterback that has looked very old who also has Jameis Winston backing him up in Drew Brees. Tomes, they both look washed. 
But who's been in the washer longer, Tom Brady or Drew Brees? You think you think Drew Brees is missing the fact that he doesn't have Michael Thomas to throw slants to him? Right. <laughs> I mean, hurts. you can. I mean, listen. You can hand off the ball to Kamara as much as you want. Who, by the way, listen. His, his game the other night was very impressive. That's the Kamara I know and love, and get to see taking balls out of the backfield, running down, taking checks down, taking them, you know, yards after catch. But to me, uh, and like Ian said, when you were talking about Tom, yeah, he kind of looked better. He looked much better in the second game than they did in game one, right? To me, it looks like the clock is really ticking on Drew Brees. Right, it really does. Out question. It, like he is not the Drew Brees that we know and love. Well, I don't love Drew Brees, but I respect Drew Brees, right? And is it a matter of what you're surrounded by again? Yes and no. I mean, listen, yeah, okay. Tom's got got all these pieces as well too, but you know he's he's got a running back that that no one wanted to trade for. He's got a uh, he's got a tight end in Gronk that is coming out of retirement, right? There's a lot of mouths to feed there. And Talk I about think, looking like a corpse. Skinny, eh? Gronk does not look good at all. No, no. Right? Well, but did, you hear Arian, did you hear Arian's just, quote this week? We, well, dry, we brought him in to be a tight end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's being a tight end. He's blocking, and he'll catch passes when we want him to. It. Listen, it's they both look terrible. And, and you know when you can tell? Is they both look great on their first drives. Like remember Brady's first drive against oh, the Saints? Great point. Yeah. Because it's it's one of those things that it's been scripted. They know what they're gonna do. And they look like the pass to Godwin. He went down the Brady went down the field. It's like, oh, this team is is cooking. Breeze came out, did the same thing back to them. And it's just, and then it's like we get into the ebb and flow in the game when when the defensive players have a chance to actually assert themselves into the moment when it gets real, when people start getting tired, you have to start thinking. They haven't had that. And I think they both look equally washed. You know what? I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean Brady on being more washed here because of the Michael Thomas point that you brought up. I know Godwin wasn't there last week, but they, they have enough weapons to, to get over that, especially with the, uh, the running game that they have. Uh, they both have a great running game, but again, to my, to just to the eye test to Sean Stansfield, I feel like Br- Brady has looked more washed than Breeze. Ian, why don't you, uh, why don't you take over from here? So let's, first of all, I just want to preface this by saying Drew Brees is the greatest statistical quarterback to ever live. And Tom Brady is the unquestioned goat. So none of us are being disrespectful in the way, look, father time gets everybody, right? Everyone chill chill out. Okay. But I'm going to start with the Michael Thomas comments. And Michael Thomas to me is the greatest receiver in football period. End of story. It's not a discussion. Okay. And obviously losing someone like that is going to be a big deal, but I also think that we don't want to let Breeze completely off the hook here. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith, along with Jared Cook, aren't exactly Brashad Perriman and Chris Hogan, okay? Like, they're good enough players on their own. And Breeze is a good enough quarterback, particularly with that offensive line and that running back play. But they're not Mike Evans and Scotty Miller. Well, no, of course not. But I'm not, again, I'm not saying that Breeze has good weapons right now. I'm saying that... Let's pump the brakes on the fact he has enough. Cook, especially between, with Kamara, yeah, yeah between especially Cook, Traquan, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, that is are those three better than any weapon Tom Brady's had over the past five years? I mean, probably with the exception of Gronkowski, you know, so, and, Ed- and Edelman, yeah, yeah, no, Ed- Edelman, Edelman is great, right? But let's pump the brakes on that. I, I think I my concern with Breeze right now 
is the lack of the deep ball attempts that we're seeing. And I, I don't know if that's because Ted Ginn's gone and Mike Thomas is hurt, but we, we've sort of seen this happening over the past few seasons. And Brees very much is, is an in-between thrower, obviously. You know, that's where you get the Mike Thomas slant. That, that's where that all comes from. But he has always used his deep balls to keep the defenses honest. He led the league in deep ball yards 08, 09, 2010, and 2012. Obviously, that's a long time ago. A decade but, ago. But it goes to show you that this he has used this as a weapon in his arsenal for years. And now it's completely gone away. We're talking about a guy who, for his career, was 10 over almost 11% of his passes were deep balls through his career. Last season, that went down to 8.2. That is second to last only Jimmy G. Jimmy check down G. Okay. Wait, wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Kirk Cousins had more deep balls than Drew Brees. We give Stefan Diggs. <laughs> that can't right? be possible. Hey. Stefan, you guys have lost your mind. All right. Ian, this year, so you're this saying year, Bree, you're saying Brees is more watched. This year, he has three deep ball attempts this year, the entire season. <laughs> okay. That is 4.4% of his throws. I'm sorry. That to me is a sign of regression. We are watching the game and you see Traquan Smith or you see Jared Cook, or you see Emmanuel Sanders open down the field. He does not want to make the throw. He would rather dump it off to Kamara because he doesn't feel it can get there. They Same brought Taysom Hill in. They brought Taysom Hill in last year in the playoffs to throw the deep ball for him. You know, this makes you know your who, point completely. You know, you know this season who has as many deep ball completions as Drew Brees? Taysom Hill. That wow, is, doesn't shock me at all. That is not good. That is not good. That, to me, is a clear sign of regression. We saw it with Peyton Manning when the wobblies started coming out. The one thing I've noticed about Brady is that he's not fitting in with the offense as seamlessly as we all would have liked. But that guy is still making every damn throw. The more washed guy is Breeze. Mm. Listen, the the one thing that – and I was just checking because I I didn't have the numbers off the top of my head. But in two games, do you guys know how many times Breeze has been sacked? Mm -mm. I don't. One sack. He's he's only been allowed that old yeah, line that is only line is great. Giving and again with the amount of time and patience that that old line has given you, you'd think you'd be able to see more from him. So I think just to try and help make my point a little bit more here, right? This is a guy who's in a system he's been a part of for a long time now, right? Just comparing again, t- Tom Brady with the new faces, new system, new everything, right? Guy in a system who has been giving the time and has the tools around him and is. You know, he's unfortunately is trending downward, right? No question. And uh, you know what? Uh, it's a sad. I, I haven't. I haven't loved. It is. Uh, I haven't loved. I haven't loved the Tom Brady stuff either. But I can't believe that we're going to leave and transition this conversation with the fact that <laughs> Drew Brees misses Ted Ginn. But this is where we are. It's 2020. The weird Drew Brees year. Misses, Sorry, Drew, Brees, Drew Brees misses Ted Ginn. So let's get to some picks, okay? Uh, Tomes, I sent them to you earlier. We have six games that we are going to pick. We are short on time, but that doesn't mean that we can't take any amount that we need to get through these picks. We are starting with a one o'clock game. We were going to, we normally pick the Thursday game, but it's going on right now. And I'm pretty sure Miami's killing Jacksonville. So 21 seven, we're going to start with the Rams at the Buffalo bills. The bills are favored by two. The over under is 47 and a half Tomes. Who do you got? Yeah, I have Bills uh, to cover here, and I'm taking the over of the, in this game. I'm not sure if the Rams 
left Philly, went back to LA and are coming back here. It seems redundant. I'm not sure if they've done that. I know San Fran, for example, is staying in, in the West Virginia or, or New Jersey area. So travel has been tough for a team like that, especially in their early games. Uh, a lot of them this year seem to be on the East coast. You have two teams here uh, scoring an average of almost 29 points a game. Um, listen, I, I like what the bills are doing. I think they have a very good opportunity to win this game. So I like the bills and the over in that game. I, to me, I think the Rams have been one of the surprises of the year. Um, I am not a Jared Goff fan. I, I think that's pretty well documented on this podcast. Um, but, you know, he's been better than I expected. But with that said, I think between Buffalo's defense, I think, uh, you know, there will be a little bit of a travel factor here. Um, I, I, really like, I really like Buffalo. And I think their defense is going to speak for itself. But if Josh Allen can continue this against someone like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey – who are the two focal points of that defense, this is going to be the test. If we are seeing the growth and the leap, this is going to be the test. I believe in the Bills. I think I think the Bills are a better team. I think it's close, but I have the Bills, I have the Bills at home with the points. And I also think it's the under. So I am going to take the Rams and the two points. Now I wish it was three, obviously, but the Rams are nine and two against the spread in their last 11 road games. Uh, I do enjoy what I'm seeing from their offense. I think that they, they have an identity, which I think that, again, I, th- I also believe that the Bills do as well, but I believe that the Rams have come into the season and they have an identity. We are not going to be a deep threat, but we are going to be quick off the ball and we are going to make plays within that five to 10 yards of, of the line of scrimmage and use our athletes to our advantage. I, I do like the Darrell Henderson, Malcolm Brown combo. I think that it shows the regression that Todd Gurley had last year. I, I they lost a lot of pieces on defense. Sorry. I said, woof. you talk about washed. Good Lord. Yeah. I, I like the pieces on defense. Micah Kaiser is one of my favorite players in the NFL to watch. We're going to get to my favorite player to watch very shortly. I like the two. Uh, I'll take the points. I like the Rams. I like what they're trending. I don't think they went home tomes. And I definitely like the over. These teams have gone over seven the last eight times that they have played each other. I am also going to take the over in that game. Let's let's shift to the uh, Fly Eagles fly, baby. They are favored by four and a half at home against the Bengals. The over under is 46 and a half. Ian, why don't you start from here? We're going to let tomes sweat this one a little bit. I really want to go Cincinnati here because I think that Joe Burrow is showing signs of, oh my goodness, this is a franchise guy. Like the stuff we're seeing from Kyler this year, that's making your jaw drop. And like, oh my God, we have a franchise guy in Arizona. We're seeing that really early with Joe. And obviously Cincinnati's in a far worse position than this year's Arizona team is. I just don't, the thing I, here's the thing. Who is getting after the quarterback? And more importantly, who is stopping Mixon if they're getting him in, in the mix? <laughs> they're getting him in the mix early. You know, I, I think I think taking Cincinnati with the four and a half, obviously, you know, to me, the number should probably be around six or seven, but I'll still take the four and a half. I got Cincinnati here. So I'm going to go next. They have to win this game, right? If they don't win this game, do you have to remove the tattoo? Like I think you have to. You're at home, four and a half points. It's right in that Vegas zone where they don't want to give you the three. It's one of those late back uh, backdoor touchdowns that can kill the, the spread. But I'm going to take the Eagles here minus the four and a half. I'm, uh, I lean the over because Cincinnati's defense is just horrendous. And, and don't rule out garbage time Joe either. 
No, and, and yeah, I expect Mixon to have a big game, but I, I also think, as we talked about before, I know the Eagles' D-line is, is banged up, but the, their offensive line is also terrible, so you can get to Joe. Uh, and I think that if you're going to put any strength of the Eagles has to be their corners. So if you're going to rely on their corners in a game where Joe Burrow is going to throw 60 times, I favor the Eagles here. Please, Doug, run the football. Please run the football. That's all I'm saying. I like Eagles minus four and a half. And if I'm leaning on the, on the total, I would lean over, but I'm not going to pick that. I'm taking the Eagles minus four and a half. You nailed it on the head. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Listen, the Eagles need to win this game. They will win this game. And they're going to take, and I'm taking the under on this game. And I'll tell you why. And, and it goes to your point of, like you said, of getting Miles Sanders into this game, often and early especially. I think the Eagles potentially take a shift here, start running the ball a lot more, start taking time off the clock. Um, I know, I know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, listen, Joel Burrow and, and Ian, you nailed it on the head. The Cincinnati Bengals have struck gold with what I think will be a very good franchise quarterback for years and years to come. I've always liked Joel Burrow. I think he has all the tools to do it. The, the one thing he's missing is a competent offensive line. And I think you're going to have – you're going to have defensive linemen try and rip through him and get through him all day long. I think it's going to be a rough day for Joe. Um, do I think he gets to his 61 attempts like he did last week again? I don't know, but I, I, I think if they are able to establish a run game early as well with Mixon, you're going to see a battle of two backs in this game. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of rushing. You're going to see a lot of punting as well, too. Uh, that's why I still have the Eagles, but I, I, have, them, I have the under in this game. I am well, very much – go ahead, Ian. I think you're going to see Tyler Boyd with, like, 12 catches, I think is what you're going to see. I mean, I think, you know, he will get some uh, – he will get Roby Coleman on him a bit. But I think with with uh, Darius Slay swallowing up A.J. Green on the outside, I think the ball's going to have to go somewhere. If I was in daily fantasy leagues, go get Mike Thomas, the other one, uh, the one in Cincinnati. The other I'd go one. get him. Joe likes him. Um, so I'd go get him. In, uh, in Daily Fantasy. I also look at Drew Sample in Daily Fantasy as well. Um, next, we have Houston at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is minus four, and the over-under is 45 here. What do we like? I cannot express to you how much I like the over here. And Interesting. I, I, and even with the Steelers' defense, I love the over. First off, after going 0-2, Houston is going to be slinging that football. They have no choice. They have to. They're going to be the most desperate team on the field. There's, there's no two ways around it. I, this is what I don't like. <laughs> they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. I don't like that. They're going to be trusting Will Fuller. Is Kiki Cootie still playing football? Uh, Ka- is, caught a touchdown last week. Okay. So he's still kind of – he's still hanging around. I like the over here at 45, mostly because I like the Steelers – to cover a lot of that 45. I'm taking the Steelers minus four. We talked about my favorite player in football right now. It is without question, Bud Dupree. It, it, there is niece. There is no one I like watching better. I've never seen a human being come on my screen more that isn't a, that is not a quarterback. And what Watt is better? I want to well, see. So I'm taking the Steelers minus four. I'm taking the Steelers minus four, and I'm taking the over. Uh, I, I agree with you on one thing, Sean. I do. I am taking the Steelers here. Uh, I know we, you know, we just finished talking about how important this game is to Houston as well, too. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more towards the under. Again, a lot of it has to do with that that strong 
defense there in, in, in Pittsburgh. But one of the guys I'm really looking forward to watching again this week is uh, Chase Claypool, right? Uh, big game, big game last week. I think uh, the kid will only continue to get better and, and get more involved and more entwined with that offense. Looking forward to, to watching him a lot more this week. Uh, keep it short and sweet. I'm taking Pitt, but I'm taking the under in this game. Yeah, I, you know what? I got the under as well. Or Sorry, I got the, you know what? Scratch that. I got the over here. And the reason I have the over is because what we've seen, I've seen the opposite from Bill O'Brien that I thought I would get. I thought we'd see a lot of force feeding of David Johnson, the football, because he wants to make that DeAndre Hopkins trade look better than it is. He did and that against the, he did that the first week against the Chiefs, but he did not do that last week. Didn't do it last week. You know, I, I just don't, I don't like that situation right now. I think, I think that Deshaun's going to be slinging it around to who is going to be the interesting part, but he's going to be slinging it around. And I think Ben's going to be answering the call. I think um, the, the thing to worry about with Houston, obviously, is they are one of the worst run defenses. Um, they're one of the worst run defenses in the entire league. They're giving up 198 rushing yards a game. Uh, Daily Fantasy guys, James Conner, Benny Snell, go look at those guys. And look, I, 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 think, I think between Juju and Deontay, Deontay Johnson, I mean, we're talking about you know, a really good duo there. And I'm just not convinced that Houston has the, the, the help in the, on the defensive backfield to deal with those guys. So I have Pittsburgh here, uh, but I also have the over because I think we're in for a shootout, no matter how good Pittsburgh's defense is. Let's get to a real shootout. The Cowboys are at Seattle. Seattle's favored by five. The over-under is a whopping 56. Tomes, floor is yours. This is, this is the shootout I've been waiting for, right? I, I think this is – these are two teams that are going to be going back and forth. There's no question about it. Dak has shown so far that, that he can throw it as well too. He can move the ball. He's got plenty of weapons uh, between CeeDee Lamb. Um, I, I think Russ has shown everybody – he is not messing around this year. Him and Seattle are definitely going to be trying to make a run. I, I think right now they look as they look as clear cut favorites for the Super Bowl as any other team does right now. They really do. Yeah, um, they do. I, I think I think Russ and Dak combined uh, will end up throwing for. I'm going to say we're going to say eight touchdowns maybe this weekend. I think you're going to have a you know just a good old fashioned shootout this weekend. I do like. Seattle though and it's hard not to like Seattle oh. it really is right and and it's nothing against it's nothing against Dallas I mean Dallas has done a really good job to stay or at least climb back and keep games close right mm-hmm. uh, I think I think this game comes down to fourth quarters and I think there's no one else better than than Russ right now to, to march down fields and, and take this away from possibly them again so I, I'm taking Seattle and I'm taking me over to me, it's not even a debate. Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in football right now, full stop. And it is absolutely a debate. Stop no, it. No, it's not. He's what are you talking about? He's completing like 80% of his passes. It is yeah, not it's a debate. Too, it's, he it's is, a debate. I'm saying at this moment, it is not debatable. Russell Wilson Through is the best quarterback Through two weeks, in Russell Wilson has been the best quarterback. The best quarterback in football is Patrick Mahomes. Is that not, is that not what I just said? I said as it of this ad- moment. As of this no, moment, as of this moment in this season, Russell Wilson's the best quarterback we have going. Period. End of story. He's completing like eighty percent of his passes. The guy's absurd. And look, on that note, it could be Seattle minus nine and a half, and I'd be taking Seattle in this game. I think Seattle trounces Dallas. Dallas should be zero and two as it is. Um, I, I think that I, I think that Seattle or Dallas's secondary is is shaky at best. Uh, I think Metcalf has another day. I think I think it, we could be in for a locket game here too. 
Um, I love Chris Carson. I, I just love everything about Seattle right now. I got Seattle. I got the. I, I do have the over, um, but I, I think Seattle cruises here. I think they win by ten or more. All right. I also have Seattle. They have zero pass rush. Zero. Their only pass rusher is Bruce Irvin. He's dead. So they have nobody now. But they do have the current leader in the clubhouse for MVP. Not the best quarterback in football. The current leader in the clubhouse for MVP in Russell Wilson. I don't like five. And because, again, like I said, with the Eagles score, but here it's more relevant because you actually have a team that is competent or should be in the Cowboys. Um I am going to lean Seattle. I'm going to lean Seattle by five just because I think that they're the better team. They're at home. I'm going to take Seattle by uh, minus five. You got to take the over. You can't be a wuss here. Jamal Jamal Adams is going to completely blow this game up for Dallas. That's my prediction. I think he's going to completely blow up this game for Dallas. He's been worth every single draft asset that he was. He is hurt. So we're going to see what happens. Um, The Sunday night game. We have two great games at night, Sunday and Monday. Packers are at New Orleans. The Saints are favored by three. The over-under is 52 and a half. Ian, where are you leaning? I just think the Packers are better. And, you know, part of the scary part about playing in New Orleans was always dealing with that crowd. And obviously, you know, due to COVID, that's not a thing. So I, I, I'm not quite sure why they're favored by three, especially when they just shit the bed against the Raiders. I, I don't quite understand that, particularly since they were up 10 points. Um so I have the Packers here. I think Rodgers looks as good as anyone. I think the thing to monitor, the thing that would change my mind is Devontae Adams' status. So to me right now, this is complete stay away. Because if Adams is out, we're going to see a lot of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We are going to see we're, we're going to see a lot of Alan Lazard. We may even see some Jay Sternberger. It's going to get real weird real fast. So I, I, you got to monitor the, the Adams situation. But I like the Packers with the points here. I like the Packers with the points too. Um, I, I am worried at the fact that are the Packers potentially a fake team? And the only reason I say that is that this, they, they, they've thrown out big numbers, big plays, you know, in the last two games. Right. But, but Minnesota and Detroit, I mean, they're, they're two bottom four defenses in the NFL. That's true. They are right? terrible. They are terrible defenses. Right, you're running into a much tougher defense here in New Orleans, and again, mm-hmm. Ian, you, you nailed it on the head. The crowd is is such a big factor in in, in the Super Bowl in the Superdome there in New Orleans, and with that not being there, listen, I this this can go a lot of different ways. I I do like the Packers though. Uh, I I still think you nailed a lot of items on the head there. Keep it's a it's a situation that still needs to be monitored. Who's in? Who's out? I think we'll get we'll get full injury reports and, and finalized in terms of who's going to be doing walkthroughs and practices tomorrow. So it'll be a lot interesting to see what happens then. And even if guys are taking any sort of pregame activities beforehand, uh, I, I am going to take the Packers. And listen, you can never cheer for an under on a Sunday or a Monday night game. So I'm going to take the over as well. Love that. Hey, everyone, lock it in. Take the Cowboys and the Saints on a, on a money line parlay because. I am also taking the Packers. So we are all in, both of us, on the Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. And I think if you want to get get cheeky, if you want to get cheeky, take the Saints now at three because that line could change if Adams doesn't play. And I don't believe Adams practiced today. So you could see that line go to 
four and a half, five. No, it won't, jump, it, won't jump, it won't jump that high. You probably get four for Adams, and Thomas is a big one too. So I'm actually going to walk in the under here. I know you don't want to cheer for unders at night after you've just watched your fantasy teams get decimated all day, but I am going to take the under because I think both of their defenses are very, very good. Uh, I don't think Drew Brees can throw past five yards, which we, Ian very eloquently already described to us. 52 and a half is a lot of points, guys. Uh, again, you, you can talk in, uh, you know, 30-21, you still win the under. So I'm going to take the under, and I'm taking the Packers. Final game of the weekend should be the game of the year, and it's week three. Chiefs at Ravens, Ravens minus three and a half. The over-under is 54. Full stop, I'm going first. Patrick Mahomes is getting more than a field goal. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs plus three and a half. Full stop. Tom's go ahead. I, I, I show you mine. I'm taking the Chiefs and the over. I'm telling you right, right now, we're gonna have another. Show. We're gonna have. We are going. You're gonna tune in to Red Zone. Wow, this is Monday night game. Not but, Red Zone. I, yeah. I'm just saying when Red Zone does yeah, all yeah. their highlights of all the touchdowns, but you're gonna. We are going to see touchdowns happen this weekend. And and fear not, you know, people who say, "Well, look at the Chiefs last week against the Chargers." Blah blah blah. They had practiced and prepped for a different system, for a different quarterback. And then game time comes, you are going up against someone who has never taken an NFL snap before. Things change, right? I'm not worried at all about the Chiefs. I think we're going to have a fantastic back and forth game here. I like the Chiefs in the over. To me, to me, I believe that the Ravens are better. I believe that the Ravens, as constructed this minute, are a better football team. So I am going to take the Ravens. I think the scary part about taking the Ravens, with the exception of the fact that Mahomes is unbelievable, is that there's very little occasions where the Chiefs don't score points. Because that's how good, obviously, Mahomes is brilliant, but that's how good of a kicker Harrison Bucker is. So as long as they're getting like past midfield, they're pretty much in range for points. And I think, honestly, one of the most fun thing to monitors for me, and maybe I'm weird, and shout to Mina Kimes because she tweeted it yesterday and she's a thousand percent right, is we have the two best kickers in football going head to head. And I, to me, I, I find kickers so fascinating that I am going to be I, – I, I, that I'm very much looking forward to. The reason I'm taking Baltimore, I think that um, – the best defensive player in the game is Chris Jones, but I believe that Baltimore has the better defense. Patrick Queen has really jumped in admirably there, middle linebacker. Um, obviously, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters doesn't get much better than that. So I am going to go Baltimore here strictly because I like their defense a little better. And Calais Campbell's a damn grown man. So let's do a quick review. Because what counts on the show, I was four and two last week. Ian was three and three. What counts on the show is the, is the teams. The overs and unders are just gravy. So we have Ian and, and Tomes taking the Bills minus two. Sean has the Rams plus two. Uh, Ian is taking the Bengals plus four and a half. Sean and Tomes have the Eagles minus four and a half. Uh, we all have the Steelers minus four. We all have Seattle minus five. We all have the Packers plus three. Tomes and I have the Chiefs plus plus three and a half. Ian has the Ravens minus three and a half. Tomes, you've been generous with your time. We only got a couple minutes left. But I cannot let you leave before two things. First off, we need to do quick hitters. That's going to be at the end. Second thing, I need to know about your the habitant. I need to know what's going on in the offseason. We had a whole Jays thing planned. That's fine. We're going to have you back on. We can talk about that another time. They don't have a pitching rotation that they trust. 
Alejandro Kirk is God. But let's just get to the Canadians. What do you want in this offseason? And, but, and also, what do you expect to see in this offseason after just shelling out $13 million for two goaltenders? Just to touch on that last point right there, okay? Everyone is freaking out over the amount of money that is spent on goaltending in Montreal, okay? Pre-Jake Allen, we already had the best goalie in the NHL. It was voted on by the players. Don't yell at me, right? Listen, we talked about this back at the beginning of COVID. You well. had Vasilevsky? When did that happen? <laughs> okay. My whole idea, and I guess the reasoning behind that is one of two things. You have a goalie who is a bona fide number two, you could say, and step in at any point and maybe help alleviate some of the stress on Carey Price, maybe give him a little less games because it maybe seems that they're maybe trying. I keep saying maybe a lot because I still don't know what direction this team is deciding to go in, but are they trying to make a push and get into a playoff spot after what little and awesome and interesting success they had in that, in the playoffs this year. And if it doesn't work out and he plays well, well, then you do it. What he's been doing the last couple of years, you flip them picks, et cetera. Well, Tomes, I think too, you're going to see an abbreviated season, right? So you're going to be playing lots of games. There's going to be two and threes, things like that. And I think having a competent backup is important for all that. Absolutely. But you have some troubles in some other places, Tomes. Yes. Up the middle of the ice. There's no question. Suzuki was great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Right. Even Kokanyemi, you know, did a lot. You know, listen, this is a guy that came up and when he was playing was the youngest player in the NHL and got sent back down. But guess what? He went down, he worked hard, he came back up, and he did good things, right? This is a team that has, if I'm not mistaken, has 19 of 23 rostered players heading into next season, okay? And has $10 million, just over $10 million of cap space. Yep. Okay? I'm going to throw out what I think is the number two free agent available behind Alex Petrangelo, which I heard you guys talk about in your last show. Fantastic. <laughs> Taylor Hall. That is what, that is what I want. It is. And I've wanted it for a while now, too. And there's another thing that was just developing earlier today. It was Winnipeg is now entertaining talks about Patrick Lyon. That's incredible. And I think that is an opportunity there as well, too. Right. The problem that with with making that trade instead of going out and signing out that free agent is now you're getting into picks, you're getting into additional players, potentially pieces that you've brought in to help bring up this team. And there's also and you really want to pay a winger? Do you no, no, because we've done it in the past, Ian, and it doesn't work. It doesn't always work, right? We're gonna get there. Don't worry. You know, you you have you know you 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 have a, a decent back end. You have Romanov coming up next year, and he's going to be a part of this team. And he's going to be an entertaining player to watch as well, right? But at the end of the day, Montreal, listen, played well. A lot of the goals on their own net are screened in front. Biggest issue when it came to Philadelphia in that playoff series, Philly or Montreal couldn't score, right? Oh, couldn't and score. and that's what you guys need. You need scoring. You need depth up the middle. Uh, you guys have a great uh, you have a great farm system. Excited to see what happens there. I think you got the kid from. Uh, the U.S. national team that you drafted last yeah, year. Cole, yeah, Cole Caulfield coming up from Wisconsin. Yeah, and you got yeah. you got Jake Evans coming up from Notre Dame. Well, you know what? We at the From the Sands podcast, as much as we hate Montreal, we loved watching this team. So you, you oh, have yeah. two fans here. So let's transition over to quick hitters. Uh, really quick though, little jab. Taylor Hall's had a lot of success everywhere he's went. So please go to Montreal. Um, quick hitters. 
we you've listened to the show you know what quick hitters are so let's dive right into it ian you are first on the questionnaire your team needs to lose one game in december lose one game in december who are you picking to lose jared goff or sam darnold sam darnold better doctor the la chargers doctor or dr nick from the simpsons <laughs> dr nick absolutely <laughs> <laughs> all right Here's here's a here's a good one for you. Bigger Eagles legend Brian Dawkins or Brian Westbrook? Weapon X Brian Dawkins. For the reason to this day why I am an Eagles fan. Better driver, regardless of car, Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc. Don't be biased. Max Verstappen. <laughs> yes. Worst Montreal Canadiens trade: Ryan McDonough for Scott Gomez or Mikhail Sergachev for Jonathan Durant. Mikhail Sergachev for Jonathan Drouin. I hate Drouin. I want him gone. I want him nothing. Anywhere near the province of, Mon- of Quebec and the city of Montreal. Please get rid of him. More popular, Jesus Christ or Alejandro Kirk? Alejandro Kirk. Are you, are you seeing what this guy is doing? <laughs> this guy's going to have his own religion soon. I'm so in impressed. The, just in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let's just get that one out of the way. Uh, Jose Batflip or Edwin Baum versus Baltimore? Oh, I, the Jose Batflip to me, I, I mean, I can't see it. I got a picture of it here. It, it's one of the most iconic sports moments, not only in Toronto, but in baseball still to this day. Why is Ferrari the worst? Because they allow sports and politics to mix in a blender. And the problem is the blender didn't come with instructions. Are you sure it's not because they can't cheat anymore? No, it's definitely because they can't cheat anymore. <laughs> Last one for me. Better Philadelphia Eagle, DeMarco Murray or Nandi Asamoah? <laughs> I can't straight face tell you DeMarco Murray. Never in a million years. Although I'll tell you one thing. I might have been one of the most exciting Eagle, one of the most exciting Eagles fan when, when DeMarco Murray was coming to Philly. But I'll never, I'll never admit that. Other than just here. Other than right now? Now everyone's going to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last one. Will you come on this podcast again? I would, honestly, guys, like I said, I'm a big fan of what you guys do. I love it. I listen to it all the time. I would absolutely love and be honored to to be on this uh, again in the future. Well, we would love to have you on again. And I think there's a lot of stuff that we can do together. So this has been another edition of the From the Stand podcast. Shout out again to Jean-Marc Tomei. The Canadians fan, that Eagles fan that was gracious enough with his time. Shout out again to our new partner, Stephen Lambus Real Estate. If you're looking to buy, sell, or lease in the greater Toronto area, make sure you hit up Steve on Instagram at homesbystephen or go to his website, homesbystephen.ca. Great guy. We gave him the big plug in the, in the first one. We're going to keep working together. Keep listening because we have some cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Nice contest. A little, uh, little bit of free stuff for everyone to win. So keep that together. Ian, why don't you sign off the pod? Thanks again for coming on, Toms. It was a pleasure, man. Um, everybody out there, enjoy your NFL weekend. Enjoy the NBA Conference Finals, Stanley Cup. It's a great time to be alive. Um, you know, we appreciate your time. And as always, guys, wear your mask. RIP, Brianna Taylor.